In this episode, I feel the true power of the Mithras community as people respond to my cry for help and provide me with some excellent information about animism. Welcome to the Mithras Matters podcast, season one, episode 34, Aiding Inwills with Animism. And welcome to Mithras Matters, a podcast dedicated to the Mithras rule set and all its supplements. As always, I'm your host, Inwills, and welcome to March. Creating this podcast really makes me notice how quickly the months go by. It seems only yesterday that I was wishing you all a Merry Christmas, and now we are in March, heading towards spring, Easter, and soon summer. I'm sure I've told you all that I have made the hard decision to drop down to being part-time at work, which started at the beginning of this year, so that I could concentrate on recovering from various health issues I've been experiencing. This means that I am only at work for three days a week, and the rest is dedicated to creating content across a variety of platforms, including the Mithras content. You might be wondering why I'm telling you this. Well, I'm actually not sure how I managed to create all the content when I was full-time at work. I do really enjoy making it, and I am honoured to be part of the Mithras crew, although I still feel that time is flying by. Where does all the time go to? Anyway, the time is flying by in this episode as well, and I don't have time to waffle because this is going to be a jam-packed episode. I have always known that we are part of a fantastic community. I have to say that the Mithras community is one of the most supportive and welcoming community I've ever been a member of. In episode 33, the last one, I made a cry for help. If you haven't listened to episode 33, then please do go back and check it out. As as well as my cry for help, the rules guru, Matt Eager, makes an appearance when he helps us understand the evasion skill. Very, very helpful. My cry for help was to do with animists. As I created the Mithras rules videos on the various magic systems, the most requested video was for animists. And although I did create one, I blundered my way through the spirit world and never really had an understanding of what the spirits and the spirit world actually provided for both the players and the GM. So in the last episode, I made my cry for help and got two excellent responses. First up, here is John. He is the writer of 
the new adventure for Monster Island called A Bird in the Hand. He's pre-recorded this for us and he provides some great ideas for setting up the cults for your animists. Okay, over to you, John. Hello, I'm John, author of A Bird in the Hand, an adventure for the Monster Island setting. So your players want an animist. The following is what I've learned when considering how to accommodate this branch of Mithras's magical traditions. Animism is a very flexible magical system, but for this reason it requires additional preparation, ideally before the adventure or campaign begins. There are three core principles. Firstly, animism is intrinsically linked to the cult and rank structure. So go and have a look at the Mithras core book in the Brotherhoods and Cults chapter. Your own cult need not be formalised in your game world, but you do need that measure of rank progression, as this gives greater access to powers under this trance and binding skill. Second, and this is critical, as the GM and with your players, you need a concept of what your spirit world is like, and from this, what spirits exist and how they are treated. Are spirits respected, feared or reviled? Are spirits natural and comforting? Or are they part of the underworld or otherwise unknowable to the living? Are spirits good or evil or neutral or all of these? Does the spirit world possess a hierarchy? Or are there many spirit worlds overlapping but never coinciding? Consider, what would your animus see if they use the trance skill to look into the spirit world. Thirdly, and also critically, spirits are not spells. They are personalities. Each spirit is an NPC. What relationship should the player character have with those spirits? Are they honoured ancestors, feared primal powers, alien beings to be exploited or enslaved? How is this relationship maintained? How do spirits change, evolve or react over time as the player character gets to know them? In developing your spirit cult and considering each of those three steps, this will help to shape the design of your spirit world and your animism. Develop yourself this working model of a spirit world and this will help you present and play in new spirits significantly easier. When you have this spirit world model in mind, this, you can then make game world choices. Think about the corresponding mechanical choices that you also need to make. So, what spirit types should a cult offer? What uh, spirits should be within the scope of the tradition or different traditions of animism in your setting? And what conditions, rites or traditions and beliefs govern the summoning of spirits? What habits or customs must an animist follow? Animists are odd and strange and perhaps appear wild or barbaric or, or just odd and alien to those who might be uh, sorcerers or follow a, a more civilised tradition. 
But these are all reasons why uh, this, these uh, rites and, and practices are all followed because they must honour the spirits with which they have a personal relationship. So how are spirits treated that are not within the spirit tradition of the animist? Can those spirits be controlled or coerced, or can they only be fought off? And then think about the spirits themselves. Do all spirits have to manifest in the real world? Or do they just stay in their own spirit world, maybe using the power of discorporation to draw the souls of mortals to them? Do spirits reflect the natural world? Are there nature spirits or elemental spirits and beast spirits? Or are spirits just the souls of the living or the living creatures? Think about those. And then consider, why does a culture use animism? What do spirits offer that the other magics or gods do not? Does animism coexist with those other magics? Or is it a private and personal matter? Or is it a wide community belief? Finally, consider how the existence of animism and the other magical systems in your game world have affected each other. If spirits are hostile, lurking ready to possess the living at any chance, aren't these spirit spells common? Taught to every priestly initiate, every sorcerer's apprentice. Are shamans welcomed and respected, perhaps, as a way to hold off these evil spirits? Or are they driven away and reviled as consorting with the unknown? And how has animism been shaped by the existence of sorcery, mysticism, theism and folk magic? What spirits does a tradition need in response to other people's or other cultures' magic? All of this helps set the place of the player character's animist in the world, and it defines their magical and spiritual perspective, and it helps you, as the games master, develop your version of a spirit world and your understanding of animism, because the spirit world is a living place, full of the creatures that you've chosen to place there. For examples, of animism and spirit worlds. Look to Monster Island and Mythic Britain. Those two supplements offer very different views of how animism works and the relationship that people have with spirits. But even in those cases, keeping the three core principles in mind around the rank structure, around the core concept of what an animist would see if they use the trance skill, to look into the spirit world, and remembering that spirits are personalities, that they are NPCs. Consider those three things, even using Monster Island or Mythic Britain, and you'll have a rich and detailed spiritual setting for your animist to play in. I hope you enjoy animism, and I hope these thoughts help you develop your version of animism. Your Mithras.
Thank you so much for that, John. So many great suggestions and ideas there. If you want to hear more of John, then do check out episode 20 of the podcast where he provides a review for his adventure on Monster Island, A Bird in the Hand. After receiving John's recording, I was so pleased that my cry for help had been answered. But wait, there is actually more. Rael from the Mithras Discord links in the show notes if you're not already a member and really you should be, well, Rael contacted me and was willing to provide the answers to the questions that I posed in the last episode. I quickly took him up on his offer, and here is what we chatted about. So hi folks, uh, this is Raleel. Uh, I am the admin on the Mithras Discord uh, and also have done the Opposed Roles podcast. Uh, yeah. And I spend a lot of time doing Mithras stuff. Uh, it's pretty much a, a main hobby for me. Fantastic. And I was so excited when you replied to my cry of help about animist and that you would be able to um, cast some light um, on the subject. So uh, it's it's honestly one of my favorite magic systems that I've ever seen. So I was I was very excited for the opportunity. And I hope it will become one of my favorite ones as well. So fingers crossed. So let's start off with, you know, what what's your experience of animists in campaigns or as a as a player? Sure. So so I, I first really started touching on animism uh, in a in a small pirate campaign that we did where we had somebody who wanted to who wanted to uh, do an animist. And so I, I tapped on Mark Shirley's. Uh, voodoo cult that he had worked up to start just to start really tinkering yeah. around with that uh, and then it later came later we did a, a druid that was very similar to that sort, sort of thing it was a little bit more uh, more traditional role-playing game druid rather than like a mythic britain one a little bit a little bit beefier yeah uh, and then in my my online game uh my, my play by post i had i had an, an animus character who who summoned Jin based on the stuff that came out of the the Fen the phoenix article and yeah. and then i had kind of a, a very animus light warrior who had some animus abilities like he would he had a fetch who would who would be a trainer for some stuff so uh, there was Brilliant. that, uh, and and after after all that came through, I started homebrewing a lot of stuff for for animism with my Shadowpunk campaign, uh, and then extended it out into a real social contact system, which I Fantastic. thought, yeah, yeah, it's uh, you're definitely the right person to be talking to, definitely. So, what what's your sort of like? I, I often think that other magical systems like the theists and the sorcery, that's established in role-playing games. But yeah. the animist is something quite new and very exciting. So what, what's your sort of like overview about it? How do you see it? Yeah, so so animism is, is kind of a, a, a funny thing because it doesn't really have set spells in the same sense. Um, you know, a lot of people think about these individual spirits and they think they're going to summon them up and, and send them into combat for them or whatever. Uh, and and that's that's perfectly reasonable within this model. Uh, but but ultimately, I think of animism more of as a social contact system where the the entire 
social contacts that you've got are, are all spirits and all of them may have individual ability to do stuff where or as you might have social contacts who are you know a sage that helps you helps you do you know do research or whatnot or an arms dealer who can help you get guns you have spirits who will be able to give you armor points or they will be able to grant you skills or nice. or they'll they can teach you how to you know shape shift into a turtle or whatever right it's 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 much more of a contact system than it is a a summon stuff to go into combat yeah i and i really like that analogy that seems to instantly start to make sense and i know we um we didn't discuss this before but do you think there's ever a clash between the animism and the um theists you know the the gods etc so yeah i'm i imagine that you know that would be a cultural thing although in in fenla there isn't really like like there are cults that have both yeah. that are involved it's really it's really just kind of a view of how how you view the world uh mythic britain has two different spirit worlds and wow. they don't they don't really even interact except on on, on the on the physical plane right like they you know when they manifest the spirits might be antagonistic to each other but but uh but the the the, the britain uh, the or britain animus and the saxon ones are are looking at different spirit worlds entirely um, so you can have these things just very much overlap each other as much as you like um I can imagine that that theist, some theists may say, no, no, you have to worship our particular deity and yeah. uh, and they try to crush out animism, which is you know common in our our, our cultures. Um, but they could it could also be the other way where they try to crush out these beliefs of these monotheistic deities and 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 you know keep them at the spirit level, so to speak. Sounds brilliant. So if I was to want to start playing an animist or to bring one into my came, um, campaign, where where's the best place to start? Do do they get spirits when they start? What's all, sure. all that about? Sure. So so the the thing the thing that I would start with, regardless of if you're doing you're doing a formal cult or not, is figure out what spirits are friendly to the animist right. and 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 maybe more specifically figure out what abilities you want those spirits to give them okay. so so i think i think monster island really has some nice structure around this where they've got you know six or seven spirits that are uh that have particular abilities so you'll have a nature spirit that will give give them the ability to do echolocation or or grappler or give them armor points or whatnot so that kind of contains the abilities that they have and that's probably the closest thing to spells that you've got okay. in 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 there so so start with the spirits that are friendly um when when they when, you know in the how many abilities to give them section of mithras There'll be the, you know, there's the D3, D3 plus three, D3 plus six. Yeah. That's, that's what I think of that as, is that's what, that's what I shoot for. This is the number of friendly spirits that you've got is whatever, whatever, you know, size that campaign is. Then I would think about which spirits are hostile to the cult. Nice. Yeah. Um, and, and then, and then I would leave the rest of them as neutral. Got Yeah. Um, just, just to give yourself some, some ease there. And, and, I would assume that they would know most of the spirits that are friendly to the cult by the time that they are 
certainly by the time that they're shaman and probably before that, um, because a lot of the a lot of it is governed off of the trance skill rather than off of the binding. So, yeah. And when you say different types of um, spirits, is that like the ancestor spirit and the nature spirit? Is that what you're talking about there or something else? So I would I would say that that uh, it's less less about ancestor or or nature in in that larger sense and more drive it down to something a little bit more specific. So so think think of the spirits as sort of a, a, a loose bag around some powers that are, are there. Um, so if you think about it, I want I want to have. A, a shaman who worships the worships the turtle deity. Okay, fine. Or the tur turtle spirit. You're gonna pick a nature spirit because turtles are nature, right? And yeah, you're gonna give him yeah. bo boost boost armor. Um, you might have another nature spirit that they're familiar with that gives them the ability to hold their breath for a long time. Nice. Yeah. So 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 you kind of kind of start to mirror the mirror those abilities. And that's just an animist, you know, that's an animal based animism cult, right? Like that's that sort of thing. Um, if you were to do something like gin, you're like, OK, I'm going to build out the structure for the gin and how those look. And and so if you're looking at, you know, Ifrit or Marids, those might be hugely powerful and no, no, no proper animist really deals with them or yeah. they try to avoid them as much as possible. Whereas they you might also define ghouls as undead spirits that are hostile to the cult. Gotcha. Um, so you so it's it's putting some names around it and bounding those spirits a little bit in the context of the game. Um, otherwise, you're going to get things like, well, I'm friendly with nature spirits and literally everywhere is nature. And then they have a lot of power, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I really like that approach in the sense that it's coming from the actual cult or the order and how that is um, progressing or is being made up over the years. And I, I like it in the sense that when you were talking about the turtle um, spirit, you know, that it's had armor or held, holding its breath. So that's a really nice way, I think, yeah. to to approach it. Do, do you prefer uh, that nature background or more? Uh, open like the jid so i think i don't know that i prefer one of, i think the nature one is easier to do That's by a I long shot thinking, yeah, yeah. And, and, and but that might really depend on your cultural context i've been i've been listening to a podcast called the hidden jinn um which is really educating me a lot on the gin it's been a thing that i just i didn't even know the podcast existed until two weeks yeah. ago um so i it's been educating me a lot on that um but if i you know i looked at like you know shadow run has elementals and it has uh nature spirits nature and spirits, and, yeah. and those and those things are coming out of completely different traditions um, but they but they already have some pre-built in structure, right? Like there's, you know, fire, earth, air, water, yeah. um, versus, you know, all of the nature stuff. Um, you can you could do you can do quite a bit with that, but I think I think having some boundaries on it for your first go around is probably good. Like somebody else has built those boundaries for you. Um, to give so. you an idea. Yeah, and I, and I think that's I do you know I've never ever because I used to play um Shadowrun fifth 
edition a lot and really like the shamans in there yeah As I, and then i'm suddenly now i don't know why i haven't seen the connection you know between the the two sisters but i can see there being a connection there you know between the nature spirits and the the animal spirits in um shadowrun so what one of the things that i really get stuck with is you know if i'm a sorcerer i spend my experience points and i get some new spells and i'm quite happy but when i was reading it i i got this feeling that every time i wanted to grab a new spirit i might end up being possessed or dying in spirit combat (laughs) how does that all work yeah so so um so for first off i mean you're when you're going into spirit combat, it, I think the attitude of the spirits towards you is really what's going to determine a lot of the result of that, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so, so if you want to negotiate uh, some relationship with a friendly spirit, uh, it is likely that the end result of that, if you fail, is that you're going to be ignored. It'll say, "Come back when you've gained experience" or something like oh, that, yeah, right? Like, yeah. like, yeah. Um, honestly, if you go and take a look through the spirits, most of the spirits don't have the ability to do anything other than ignore you at the end of that is by far the, one of the most common things. So, so I, I ran through it early and I was, so curse and death, curse and curse and death spirit haunts, sickness spirits and wraiths are really the primary ones that have some ability to do something to you if you fail. Um, something something more than you know just ignore you or whatnot Um, you know Kirk some of them possess you some of them can really do a lot of damage because they have the deadly ability or whatnot Um, but but or or they can give you sickness or you know in the case of sickness spirits but most of them don't really have a lot of ability so you know think about like a nature spirit what's he going to do if you fail Um, nothing direct yeah like he's not going to possess you because that's not how they work um but that's that's the i mean that's another thing to think about though is when you're const- if when you get to the point where you've done an animist or two and you're build you're saying okay i want a new spirit because it's not covered by any of the ones in here that's the thing to think about is like do you want them to have some ability to possess them after that yeah because um, it I could know- it, go on no no it's it's so if you know think about like a nature spirit that had the ability to possess somebody what does that mean yeah that might look very much like the the was the the second episode of the second season of witcher where one of the witchers gets possessed by the the leshy yeah and he starts growing into a giant tree and i'm like well that would be really a thing that would be you know uh, an abdic a start to be an abdication as defined in the animus rules yeah um to to that to that spirit's form and i i really like how that's um being built on when we're talking about the spirits now it's it's sort of like progressing from that starting point when we were talking about who's the spirits that are friendly antagonistic etc etc and so it's a nice um it just progresses from there you know as as you do would there be um evil animists 
So I don't see why there couldn't be. I mean, if you, uh, you know, uh, I'll, I'll pull out Shadowrun as my classic example. Um, bug, yeah. shamans, bug shamans and toxic shamans. Um, exactly. There's, yeah. there's nothing, nothing to say that they can't exist. I mean, you know, are, are, they, are they evil in the human, human sense? Sure. I mean, they, if they have some agenda that's counter to what we consider to be evil. Mm. Um, I don't see any reason why that couldn't be the case. Um, you could you could define a set of evil spirits that that they want to be involved with, right? Like if you have you know sickness shamans or you know, death shamans, or could be could be mm. like that. You could make a really cool necromancer out of that business. Just kind of define all of the 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 death spirits and the wraiths and the yeah. haunts as friendly. Yes, to this exactly. to this animus cult and then all that you know do the nature ones as as against it and suddenly you have a really crazy awesome necromancer that comes out of that business different than the sorceress one different than the theist one yeah um he's like i'm going to i'm going to fetch out an undead spirit and it's going to possess this corpse over here and suddenly he's he's just a lot more interesting than uh the other ones are i think do, do you know i have to say that throughout this talk things are clicking in my head into into place because i've i've always thought of like the haunts and the deaths and the sickness spirits as um quite nasty and evil but when you said that you know and going back to the very first point you made about which spirits are friendly and which are not and then suddenly yeah. when you when you said you know those spirits are friendly to the person that you know um, is that necromancer that all suddenly clicks into place right. now you know and how right. how you get though that evilness uh, for want of a better word i know there'd be there'd be such a such a neat really evil character to like no no all of these guys are my friends and 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 they will do stuff for, for me i'm not subverting to them to my control i've negotiated a contract yeah. with them uh there is a much different sort of scenario and that that sickness spirit he will go through and disease people you know for an entire scene because i have i've asked him to do so and we've arranged this thing and i i actually expend resources to do that i expend experience points to maintain that connection yeah I, I was just thinking because I don't judge me about this, but I really like the sometimes I think it's because I'm often a GM, the, the nasty, evil side of things. But I, oh, was yeah. just, I was just sort of like thinking, you know, trying to get into um, a location to gain something, you know, and this necromancer, for want of a better word, is saying, well, hang on a minute. I can have the sickness spirit go in and just, you know, plow a plague, you mm -hmm. know, <laughs> through mm -hmm. there, you know, and, and then all of a sudden this, the, the moral, you know, that moral conflict that's going to happen with the party when they're sort of like thinking, oh, well, hang on a minute, is this the right thing to do, even though they can do it? I, I know, I know. And it's a very, it's a very different sort of moral quandary. And, and, you know, for the right group, that's a, uh, that's an amazing game, right? Like, that's oh, a, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, whoa, this is going to be something else, right? It really is. And I, I really like that. It sounds strange when I say I like conflict in the game, but that's, I, I don't mean arguing and things like that. Is it, it's that moral conflict or that, yeah, that discussion? The, the, 
that del- that dilemma that comes that comes out of that, right? Like we we're we're going to we're going to make an active choice here because we have these tools. Yeah. To to do that is like and and that defines your character so much, right? Like it says so much about your characters as you're doing that and gives them an incredible amount of depth in just one yeah. one little one little decision. Uh, have you um Am I right in thinking that shamans can club together to to engage in the spirit world, or did I just imagine that? No, somewhere? no, that's in, that's in that's in the core work core core, core rule book um, yeah. to to do. They they can they can gather together to bind very large spirits. Monster Island has orchestral casting. That's why, um, yeah. Yeah. That's and so, so they're, well. so they're a little, so I mean, so they're a little different coming up, but yeah, they can absolutely come together to bind really huge spirits. Uh, you know, that, you know, one of the guys on the discord was talking about how each Island has a spirit, uh, you know, in his particular campaign and coming together to bind that giant spirit would be quite the feat, right? Fantastic. Yeah. I, I love that. So I'm sort of like, I've made up my animist. I, I've, I really like this idea of the friendly, antagonistic or neutral. And I'm sort of like, I've got some spirits under my belt for want of a better, better word. Mm. But so, so what's the end product like with the animus? What, what did they mature into? So, so, I mean, they, they end up, I think in my mind, they end up looking a lot like, uh, a crime boss, for lack of a better word, somebody who has an incredible amount of connections, who can get things done at the drop of a hat. They have negotiations. They have people that they can call pretty much to do whatever they like, right? Like if you've yeah. got, if you if you are a shaman in a monster island type of setting, and you know a high a high shaman, and you see you see the colonists moving in on your area, you can you can enter into the spirit world or very quickly or relatively quickly and say, look, we have, you know, I want to negotiate something with you guys here or with with the spirits of that, that, that section of nature to say, you know, can you slow them down or, or can you make it, make them get lost or, or whatnot? You may already have that negotiation worked out. I would expect you would, and you just call upon that and they show up in, you know, one D six minutes or whatever it turns out to be. Uh, to to cause them a lot of issues um if you need to if you need to uh get yourself through through an area um you may ha- you may have a spirit of of something that gives you stealth that boosts your stealth ability um yeah. and so so i mean it kind of it kind of looks like a crime boss and kind of also looks like a superhero if you look at it the yeah. other way around <laughs> like almost like iron man in a way right like he's got you know, always got a button he can push that does something for him right or yeah. batman sort of thing um i that that's how i tend to look at it it's not it's not quite the same as like a theist or or a sorcerer it's more it's more really about the connections that you got yeah and and in the normal sort of like i was just trying to imagine a combat you know the the standard um fighting a bunch of bandits you know it yeah on the forest path do you see the the animus sort of like almost like buffing you know and using the spirits to buff themselves or other people or causing harm or what, what how do you imagine that i i don't know that i think about it any any one particular way i mean first off i would think that 
that animus would likely have some fetishes with him because he needs to respond immediately, right? Like, yeah. So that would that would that would make some sense. And so, so he would he would have uh, a set of fetishes that are going to help him in, in an immediate fashion. Whether that's you know one that gives him the camouflage ability and he can avoid the combat, or he's got one that gives them armor so he can pretty much laugh at whatever they're doing. Or, or perhaps he has one that has an elemental in it, and he pulls out that fire elemental, and suddenly they're burning to the ground. Right? Like it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of tools that he could do. You know, he's got a bat belt, right? It's, yeah, that, <laughs> you mentioned Batman earlier, and that's I was just thinking it's almost like a utility belt. Yeah, that yeah. that they've got just for um, people who might be completely new to Animus. We we've mentioned Fet fetches there you just briefly I have fetish, fetish fetishes is what i what i said there if he fetches it fetches different so yeah so a, fe, a fetish is is an object or a location or a person but but in this case i was referring to an object an object that has a spirit bound to it so yeah. you can very much think of this as a magic item uh and and you can activate it and the spirit comes forth and will do your bidding based on the fact that you control the fetish um yeah. You so can, no, you can, no need to go into the spirit world yep. or anything yep. like that. That's all yeah. been done and dusted. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, it's not it, this. That is not like calling on a contact. This one. This one is. You know, you have direct control over a thing, and he's going to go and do something for you. Yeah. Um, you can have fetishes that are that are on creatures, and you can have fetishes that are in locations. Um, you know, if you want, if you want, you know, if you bound, or if if you bound a, a nature spirit to a particular set a section of forest then you could go into that and you'd literally summon up that spirit by just touching a tree or whatever and he would be able to defend you immediately nice yeah yeah um fetches are fetches are different fetches are a, a personal spirit um they can either be allied very much similar to a, you know familiar in western lore yeah. um or they can be or they can be a mirror of the self um they in in uh pre-islamic lore there's something called the karin which is a sort of a shadow self um right. that that is a ta that is attached it's a, it's a jinn um and it's kind of confusing whether it's separate or not but i think it i think mostly it's separate um and lots of lots of cultures have this concept of a shadow self um you know even even Jungian psychology if i remember yeah. correctly has the has the the shadow self so so Either way, that's that's sort of a personal a personal spirit that's always with you. Um, not every not every shamanistic culture has them, um, but but a lot do. Um, not all of them use fetishes. Not of them all of them believe in doing doing up uh, fetishes in that fashion, yeah. right? Like they don't want to bind the spirits, right? Fantastic. Um you, you seriously, I have a, so much a, a better understanding of what's going on here. And and I think what you've managed to do is contextualize it so yeah. and made it very real. You, you've mentioned a whole load of publications. If people want to get, you know, see examples of animism in, in working, you know, actually working, 
which publications would you send them to? You mentioned Monster Island, I think. A yeah, few yeah, times. yeah. Yeah. So Monster, Monster Island is the the iconic example. Uh, if you pick up Mithras, the, your second book should be Monster Island, the end of story. Um, yeah. Like, like, like I, I will say that over and over again, mostly because I, I view Monster Island very much as the as the player's guide and the GM's guide for for Mithras. Um, there is a very, very extensive and beautifully detailed animism section of Monster Island with with all of the with all the natives on there and all of their different their different spirit cults. There's something like 13 of them. Um, and they're and they're pretty well detailed out along with a whole progression through through all of the ranks of, of their cult. Um, they they even have a little nuance in there where the all of the members of the tribe can trance but they don't progress any further in trance nice. until they yeah. join until they join the cult proper and become a shaman right and oh, yeah. they, they have they have gifts they have fetches they do fetishes um of all the different varieties and they have all of those powers it is really really a very well done up sort of thing um really the other the other one i would point to would be i think it's either task and empire or shores of Carantia, but i think it's task and empire that has spirits and sorcery in at least one cult and they have some nuances on that where they have a uh, they have a theistic cult that has a spell that allows them to do trance nice yeah 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 that that sounds absolutely uh, fantastic before we sort of like drift away from the spirit world and go back to the real world any um, recommendations or any things that you would like to say to the listeners if they're planning on starting their animists off yeah so so as 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 a gm or a player when you're thinking about this honestly i i love the notion of it being a contact system yeah. for 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 it and i would th i would think about that think about you know, pull, pull yourself together about five different powers that you might like for your animus and kind of use that as the core to kind of define the scope of the thing. Um, I think I think once you do that, it will flow a lot more easily. I mm. absolutely think that, you know, as we talked about a little bit earlier, the, the nature nature ones are pretty easy to do because we all kind of have an intuitive cultural feel for that. Yeah. Um, so I, I would start there and, and go from there, but it doesn't have to end there by any means. Those those spirits are merely a set of examples in the book, and you can throw stuff together out of that that, that will be really great for your particular campaign. It's been absolutely fantastic talking to you today. And I, I, I've always thought animists have always appealed to me because I haven't had the opportunity to engage with them in any other system. And it seems really unique. And this is really, um, I, I'm, I need to get my teeth into Animus now and Spirits. No, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and really I start th working on it. Thank, thank you so much for the, the opportunity. I love talking about this and I really don't get to talk about it anywhere near enough. Certainly not, you know, with, with somebody conversationally, it's, it doesn't happen very often. Uh, and uh, thank you so much. It, it's been a great, great amount of fun. Thank you. Well, what more can I say? I was completely blown away by the support from the community and huge thanks to both John and Rael for their support. 
I'm still working on my own idea for an animist. It will probably be ready for sharing in one of those episodes when I fly solo. Remember, if you would like to contribute to the podcast, then why not just drop me an email or message me and let me know what you would like to cover. I'm always looking for reviews or interviews or just chats with people. So if you are interested, then you can email me at inwills at gmail.com or send me a message on the various forums I frequent. And that's it. Another episode of Mithras Matters completed. Don't forget you can check out all my content by following my YouTube channel and the campaign areas of World Anvil. I really appreciate your support and do also check out the Tapper Talk forums and the Discord where there are some great people there sharing their ideas within discussions. So, until next time, have a great month of gaming and I will chat to you all again in April. Until then, I hope all your opposed roles succeed and provide you with a well-deserved special. Thanks for listening, everyone. See ya. Bye. The content of this podcast is covered by the Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license, so please give appropriate credit if you are sharing or copying any part of this podcast. Thank you.